0: This is episode 5 of the Spinoff Success Podcast with Beth Phillips. Welcome to the Spinoff Success Podcast with Beth Phillips. Join me each week for inspiring stories about people leveraging tools, platforms, systems and skills to create thriving businesses, successful side hustles, and surprising new careers. Tune in to discover how you might turn your untapped skills into a spin-off success. Hello and welcome to the Spinoff Success Podcast. I'm Beth Phillips. Today I had a chance to chat with Dan Franks. Dan is one of the co-founders of Podcast Movement, which is the original and the largest um, conference for podcasters in the world. If you haven't heard episode two with his co-founder, Jared Easley, I encourage you to check that out. Uh, Jared does a great job explaining the origins and the growth of the conference. So check that out when you get a chance. I had a lot of fun learning about Dan. He's an interesting guy. He's a great example of taking a really traditional approach and career path um, and combining it with his interest in entrepreneurship small businesses, podcasting, and technology to really bring those skills together to plan a great event. Maybe this episode will inspire you if you have a more traditional job or career to um, use the skills that you have acquired there and apply them in a new way. So I hope you enjoy this interview with Dan Franks. Okay, so thanks for um, agreeing to let me interview you. Of course. Yeah, I'm totally going to grow you. Um, The first question I have is about wrestling. What is with your obsession with wrestling?
1: Oh, my obsession with wrestling. Yeah, that's funny. Um, Yeah, so my obsession with wrestling started when I was just a a little kid and uh, grew up watching on Saturday and Sunday mornings watching WWF on TV. And it was uh, it was just something that for whatever reason caught my eye. I think it was the combination of uh, the athleticism because I've always played sports and been into watching sports and playing sports and all of those things uh-huh. uh, and I think it was a combination of that along with the entertainment element so yeah. a lot of times you know the professional wrestling is very much like a, a sitcom slash uh, soap opera slash drama oh, yeah and um, you know it combines all those entertainment elements so I think the combination of the entertainment and the athleticism really is what drew me to it in the first place
0: yeah now uh, did you have a favorite wrestler when you were a kid?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think like most kids in in my generation, Hulk Hogan was the one who uh, was always, you know, telling telling the kids to take their prayers and and or take their vitamins and say their prayers <laughs> and you know hug their parents and all that. Yeah. So he he was the ultimate good guy. So for. For a little kid, that's the one who, um, you know, his toys were all over the shelves and, oh, yeah. uh, you know, as a result, they were all over my shelves.
0: Yeah, I, uh, my brothers, I have four brothers and so they grew up, um, you know, watching wrestling. Um, so I had to watch it by default and I was fascinated with Andre the Giant. I yeah. Mean, like, oh, man, was... he
1: was, uh, yeah, he was, a. what do they call him, the eighth wonder of the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> was so and then one more question about wrestling did you ever go to a live event when you were a little kid
1: not when I was really little Uh Um, my parents did uh, try to discourage me from watching it it was one of those things where whenever they would turn their back I would change the channel and they'd come back into the room and see me watching it and try to try to you know switch it off Um, yeah even to the point where one time Uh, my mom called in, there was some, uh, weekend show on the radio where they were talking about, you know, raising kids and stuff like that. And I don't know if it was some kind of like doctor or something on there, but she called and asked them, uh, is it okay that my son watches, um, pro wrestling? Because, you know, to her, it seemed like it was a bad thing Uh and she wanted a second opinion, so to speak. And it was pretty funny because like the, the radio show host who, like I said, was some kind of doctor or something giving, giving parenting advice said that, um, you know, it's okay to let him watch that thing, but just you know, surround him with other forms of art as well. So take him to the art museum <laughs> eh? or this and that. So I had that validation there. Um, yeah. yeah that so it was so uh,
0: cute. That you yeah, I
1: thought that was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but no, so I didn't go to any of the live ones until I was uh, quite a bit older, maybe middle school aged. I finally oh, got dragged my hard. dad. Yeah, tra- dragged my dad out to. Uh, out to one of one of the ones that came through Dallas, and um, yeah. after that, I was even more hooked.
0: Yeah, I know they they do put on a good show.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I I think I was reading on maybe one of your bios that um you did some sort of entrepreneurial thing in high school, and was it related to wrestling
1: somehow? It kind of was, yeah, actually. Um, and this started back kind of around that same middle school era. Um, I started, uh, getting into, when I was getting into wrestling and starting to get into the internet and, mm-hmm. you know, exploring of the, the wide world, the world wide web, mm-hmm. I started finding that there was a lot of these smaller wrestling leagues around town, uh, specifically around the Dallas area. And they weren't like the big productions like WWF was, but they were, um, you know, small time independent type, type organizations and, I started really looking into those and getting into following those. And even though I didn't, um, you know, attend those in person very often, I started just kind of following what was happening and learning the participants and learning about the different wrestlers and the leagues and the Mm -hmm. champions and all of these things. And, um, for whatever reason, I just decided like I want to, even though I can't go to these, I really want to kind of get involved and, and learn more about what's going on here. And, What uh, my entryway into doing that was I learned how to build websites myself, and then I would email these individual wrestlers and offer to build them websites for themselves.
0: That's so cool. What year would this been about?
1: um, Late 90s. Wow. Yeah, so um, 98, 99, somewhere in there. And, you know, that was before, like now everyone has a website. If you want a website, you can go to Squarespace, right. you can go to WordPress.com, you can do whatever you, you know, any right. of these things and have a website in a few minutes. But back then it was, uh, you know, kind of a different, unique thing to have yeah, your yeah. very own website. I mean, this was even before MySpace or anything like that. So yeah. having an online presence was just not a thing like where, where now you have to back then nobody did. So, um, I would find contact email addresses or ways to connect with these wrestlers and offer to build them websites. And I was just doing it just kind of as a learning experience. And as I did it, uh, the, some of the other wrestlers would take notice and they would start contacting me and asking me to do it. And I, uh, you know, the first one when that would message me and say, Hey, how much would it cost? you know, I kind of took a step back and I was like, "Whoa, I'm just doing this for fun." And this oh, person asked me how much it cost. No, um, oh, I was wow. just doing it. And then when when some, you know, the first person who did ask how much it would cost, that's that was that little light bulb that went off in my head that, you know, "Hey, maybe I should be charging or maybe I could be charging." Yeah. So I put together, you know, some some really really basic rate sheet. I don't, you know, I wish I wish I could find it and go back and circle up and oh, see some yeah. of these old things, but um but yeah, you know, just put something that I'm sure is just way way too terribly cheap for what I was doing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did that. And I started making money. And it was pretty, um, it was pretty crazy. And I think that was kind of a, a little bit of validation to my parents that this weird obsession with wrestling that I had was actually teaching me some, you know, life and entrepreneurial and business lessons. So uh, it ended up being kind of a, a funny, uh, funny result of that obsession with wrestling.
0: Yeah. And uh, do you um, could you do a time hop or something like that to see one of those old websites? Yeah,
1: you know, I probably could the uh the Wayback Machine, which yeah. is uh provided by Internet Archive. I do believe that that has access to it. So I I, I that's a good idea to go done back. That? Just, I have looked at some of them. I haven't looked at um all of them, but that's a good idea. I really should circle back and Uh, do uh, some screenshots and stuff just to have those saved
0: if you find one will you send me one so i can put it in the show notes oh yeah i definitely will yeah okay so how does this entrepreneurial wrestling fanatic become a cpa
1: (laughs) good question um so uh this this obsession with wrestling as a fan turned into an uh me becoming a wrestler myself later on down the road so um you know, always being a fan. And like I said, being an athlete and being into the athletics and entertainment aspect of it, um, after getting out of high school and going to college, I had a big void and, and I call it a void in my mm-hmm. life, but you know, I was always doing all kinds of athletics through high school and stuff. And then once I went to college, that all just kind of stopped. Yeah. So, uh, just through happenstance and some of the connections that I had made in those days where I was doing the websites, I ended up, uh, Making my way to a pro wrestling school and becoming a uh, a pro wrestler, and I did that for about eight years Are through you college. Serious? And I did, yeah. Um, when you
0: said wrestling, I thought you meant high school wrestling.
1: No, no. Oh my
0: gosh, did you do that in Dallas?
1: Um, yeah, Dallas, and then I ended up traveling all over the country for it. Um,
0: okay, yeah. now I want to see that website.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. So we 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 can I can share some some of that too to to put up there. But yeah, so I ended up then doing that after high school and through college. And then even my first few years as a, as a young professional, I was doing it as well. Um, but yeah, so I I was doing that during college and, you know, for a time I was really going to try to make a go of it. Like, you know, Hey, this, this could be something that I make a career out of. Um, and you know when when that started looking like it was going to be a long shot, then I started having to take a little more seriously what I was doing in school yeah. and what I was doing in college. Mm-hmm. And um, you know I really did like the entrepreneurial business aspect of things that I learned while I was doing those websites, uh, but I wasn't sure what in that realm I wanted to do. And just some advice I got from some people was, you know. If you're not sure what you want to do, but you're sure it's in this money, math, businessy mm-hmm. kind of realm, uh, accounting is a good way to go. Just because every every business has an accountant, yeah. So, you know, no matter what you know company you want to work for, you could basically pick any company in the world, and they need accountants or any and industry. That- any industry in the world. So whatever it is you're into, like you could be be an accountant and go work for that company or industry. So that kind of, that variety and those opportunities is what led me to, uh, you know, pursuing accounting and pursuing my CPA just because I didn't know what I wanted to do, but that seemed to keep a lot of doors open. So, um, so that's what led me to that, and then I ended up going into public accounting and doing taxes for nearly uh, for nearly ten years. Um, okay. But taxes for small businesses and entrepreneurs and solopreneurs. So I was able to still scratch that itch, even though I was working for a company. I was yeah. able to work with a bunch of those people that were really into you know their own business that they've started.
0: Yeah, what's that hustle like? I mean, did you work for a, a company that, or, or did you have to drum up the work yourself?
1: So the the first two years, right out of school, I went to what we call a big four accounting mm-hmm. firm, a big four public accounting firm. So um, that was very much of, you know, just kind of joining this big organization and becoming a piece in the, you know, the machine. I, I was a cog in the wheel there. Right. Um, and so after two years of that, I went to a much smaller firm that worked uh, with just local clients instead of international clients And, um, that one was a whole lot more like entrepreneurial myself. So even though I had the infrastructure of a company there, um, there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of kind of freedom for me to do what I wanted. And what I wanted was to, you know, bring on new business, not necessarily from a, uh, money-making standpoint where, you know, I would make more money if they were my clients, Mm -hmm. but more so the fact that, Um, you know, these people were were folks that I was 100% in charge of their success and their um, you know, their service and what they were getting. So, uh, yeah, I went out there and through my connections in podcasting, I had some clients who were podcasters or ran podcast networks. Um, and then just you know through the the local DFW kind of meetup and tech scene, I brought Mm -hmm. in some local clients here. So, really was just a cool opportunity for me to um, you know, help out some friends or friends of friends and um really helped see some of these businesses thrive and grow thanks to my help. So that was the real uh part that was satisfying in that position was uh you know being able to provide a service, not necessarily that I wanted to sell people, but that they needed oh, from yeah. me.
0: Yeah. it's like the best of both worlds kind of.
1: Yeah, exactly. And yeah. I mean, you know, there's there's certain jobs like there's certain sales jobs where your job is to sell somebody s- something that They maybe don't necessarily need like sell them maybe something they want or appeal to their emotions or whatever it is. Whereas this, you know, hey, you're running a business. You need X, Y and Z for this business to grow. It's required that you do your taxes and you have your financials online, all of this. So I was providing them a service that they absolutely had to have. Um, versus, yeah. you know, again, selling something that they maybe didn't need, which was, you know, is something I, <laughs> I always try to always try oh, to um, yeah. you know, keep going. Yeah, it's a fine line to balance.
0: It is. And are you still doing that? But, uh, Jared mentioned that you are, you two are full time in podcast movement, but are you still needing to do the accounting to um, kind of get yourself through.
1: No, so um so after my 8 years in public accounting, I went and worked for a company called Midroll for 2 years. So they're in the the podcast space and they they produce podcasts and sell ads on podcasts okay. and um, own a company called Stitcher which is, uh oh, which yeah. is a podcast player. So um a pretty big player in the podcast space and I did accounting for them for 2 years um at the same time as running the Podcast Movement Conference and um then after those 2 years, yeah. Uh, I went out and now so at January 1st of this year, I'm on my own in my own entrepreneurial venture. So How, how's podcast, that been? it's good. It's good. You know, yeah. podcast movement is a piece of that. Um, it's not all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, you know, it's one of the one of the cornerstones to what what I do on a daily basis. And it's it's been really, uh, really good to be able to focus on things. So when we were talking earlier about you know this this challenge, this podcast movement challenge, which is what led to this podcast even being uh, a thing, and led to us even being able to have this conversation yeah, now. Right. right. Um, that challenge was something that when we weren't focused on this uh, this type of thing full time, the challenge would have never happened because oh, gotcha. uh, because we were so focused on just executing this conference and just yeah. doing the conference and making sure the conference happened and the conference was good. Uh, we just didn't have any kind of time extra. To do some extra things that uh, were, were in the same realm as the conference, uh, yeah. but not the conference itself. So what it's really done is not necessarily done anything specific extra for the conference, but just a lot of these things around it that we've now been able to do.
0: Yeah, so now that you can pay more attention to some of the details and uh, put more time toward it, I don't know if you're looking to grow it even more or just to kind of have it on, um, get it in a place where you can Uh, delegate a lot more. Do you know what I'm asking? Do you expect to grow or do you expect to have it just work sort of like a machine?
1: The the goal for the conference is to grow. Uh, When we started the first year, we had about 550 people there uh, at the conference this year. We're expecting over 2,000. So uh, it's grown, but that's over five years. So it's been a slow but steady growth. It Mm -hmm. hasn't been anything where it's just gone from You know, one thousand people to to ten thousand people or anything like that. So we've been kind of been able to manage it as it grows and learn as we go and learn from some of these economies of scale and start delegating small tasks out. Um, But the goal is certainly to grow it. Uh, the The fact of the matter is, there's about two hundred thousand active podcasters right now, Um, and you know, a very small percentage of those are coming to podcast movement and. While we certainly don't, you know, think that at any point in time every single active podcaster in the world will come to podcast movement, we definitely see the opportunity there for um, you know to, to reach more of those people. And ultimately what we're trying to do and you've seen this with these online communities we're building. Is we're trying to build communities of podcasters where podcasters can meet each other, learn from each other, and ultimately not only move each other forward, but move the whole industry forward and help the whole industry grow um, by working together. And so the conference is a piece of that. Um, so for that reason, we're going to continue to try to to grow the conference in an effort to, you know. Move the entire podcast industry forward,
0: yeah, I love that. you know what I also like is that it seems like you're um trying to balance between sides of the country, so I guess the first <laughs> two were in Texas, right,
1: yeah, the first two were in the Dallas Fort Worth area, yeah, and um, so it
0: seems like you're gonna hop around a little bit, yeah, exactly right
1: people. yeah, that's one hundred percent the reason why you know the first two were in Dallas a because they were close to me, which is nice right um. But also because central of the country, easy to get to. We have two international airports. Yeah. Um, so it was just a very easy kind of home base that regardless of where you're at in the country, it's a three-hour or less flight to get here pretty much. Right. So that helped a lot. Um, but what we constantly got was feedback from people that couldn't make it either um, you know, for a variety of reasons, sure. the time of the year or the location. Uh, and we, we got a lot of people saying, hey, you should bring podcast movement to our city to this city to that city um so what we decided after those first two years was we really did want to bring the conference all over the country to different different people so if if distance or traveling time was an issue for someone we over the course of a few years want to make sure to kind of squash those concerns so we went to the midwest in year three in chicago we went to the West Coast in year four. We were in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Going to the East Coast this year in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. and the next year we're uh, we're going to, you know, be in a different part of the country that's uh, that we've never been to before. Um, and you know, eventually we're going to circle back to some some yeah. older locations that we've been at. But you know, we definitely are trying to get to some people's backyards where, um, you know, they might not have been able to make it before. And of course, from a business perspective, the ultimate goal is that some folks will will say they're not going to come unless we're close to them. But then once they come, they realize how awesome it is. And then they keep wanting to come back regardless of where we are. So that's really been the biggest thing for our growth is being able to, um, you know, travel to places, get some new faces in there, and then a certain percentage of those stick around and start following us every year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And tell me about your partnership with Jared. Do you two sort of rely on different skill sets to make this come together or how does that work?
1: Yeah, we really do. And it's something that's just kind of evolved naturally. It's not like we sat down and said, here's what you're specifically doing. Here's what I'm specifically doing. Um, It just kind of grew out of what we uh, naturally were inclined to do. So for instance, for me, um, I'm a little bit more on the technical side. I, I do the technical pieces on the website and I do a lot of the um you know, the organization of the logistics of the event behind the scenes from the scheduling to um, you know, the, the coordination with the speakers and the coordinations with the sponsors and a lot of those things that um, you know, require a lot of putting together logistics behind right. the scenes, whereas um, Jared's a little more out there um, making connections to the people that have just registered, and making sure to introduce himself to everyone as they've registered for the event or working in the podcast community uh, on the Facebook group to, um, you know, make sure people are having a good time in there and and introducing himself to people. So I would say Jared's uh, a lot more on the soft touch and what he's been really uh what's, what's really benefited us, the podcast movement as a whole from the very beginning are those connections that Jared's had and continue to make. Um, you know, just because that first year we, we actually kickstarted the event and without Jared's connections and, and friends in the podcast space, uh, and people that, you know, knew like and trusted Jared, uh, we probably wouldn't have ever got that, that Kickstarter project off the ground in the first place just because You know, he had all the connections and friends that he was able to then call and help uh, to to come help, you know, fund this Kickstarter. And yeah, really, it was really essential. And then those those same skills and, you know, uh, his inclination for doing those kind of things has just continued to help grow and and bring new faces into the podcast movement fold.
0: Yeah. Plus, have you learned a ton um, just over the five years about even all of it, doing an event and you know, employing and deploying different uh, software or platforms or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's very it's funny. The uh, the largest event I had planned before podcast movement was my wedding. Um, And it's funny because my, uh, you know, normally and I've seen that that the wives or the brides will do a lot of the planning and a lot of the booking of the the flower people and the caterers and all of those things. Mm. And just the relationship with my wife is it was the opposite. So she was kind of like, you can do, you know, whatever <laughs> you want. I want i all approve everything, but I'll nice. let you, you know, handle a lot of the planning and logistics of this thing. And I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you, you know, people would make jokes, oh, you should be a wedding planner and that kind of thing. So I wasn't going to become a wedding planner, but it was funny that a few years later I did, um, you know, kind of stumble backwards into being a, a full time event planner.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and so I have one more question just about the conference. Um, and uh, are you able to enjoy it or are you running around like crazy, um, coordinating everything
1: running around like crazy? Coordinating are you everything. really now do you ever,
0: <laughs> do you foresee a time when you can actually go and just sort of have your, you know, thumb on something and be able to attend sessions and that sort of thing?
1: Or, yeah. I, I don't do know. Do you speak there? I don't speak. We don't speak mm-hmm. at our own event. We we mm-hmm. make sure that all the other speakers are taken care of and, and mm-hmm. able to do their job. Um, yeah, it's funny because we created the conference because it was something we would want right. to attend. And, you know, that's why it started was because it was it was something that we wanted to go to as podcasters. And, you know, we created it and we're not able to go to it now uh, be, or we're there, but we're not able to enjoy yeah. it like we would have wanted to. Um, but we get a different kind of enjoyment and satisfaction out of it. And one that I think, uh, you know, we enjoy even more than we would have otherwise.
0: Yeah. Now, do you attend other conferences just just for that factor, you know, to be able to enjoy them or even to learn um, about something you can do? Additionally? Yeah.
1: You know what? Nowadays, it's nowadays we do attend conferences to learn from them uh, from a conference perspective. Yeah. So, Um, We don't necessarily go to all the sessions when we go to conferences, but we do walk around and see how they do their signage and see how they do their scheduling and see how they do their expo hall. So, yeah, yeah, we do go to other conferences now, uh, but looking at them in a different way than we used to.
0: Yeah. Well, I I consider, um, I guess, podcast movement and its genesis sort of a spinoff from your, your interest in podcasting in general. And I didn't even ask you about that. So tell me about how you got started in podcasting.
1: Yeah, I was just uh, like a lot of people that get started in podcasting. I was a, an avid podcast listener, just really loved a lot of the podcasts that were out there. Uh, they got me through my days doing taxes and CPA work is yeah. really what it boiled down to is a lot of uh, you know busy work that, that needed something to pass the time. And the podcasts were that. And through conversations with some co-workers at the second CPA firm I was at, learned that we both had a similar interest in podcasts and both, uh, we were, were kind of interested in the business and entrepreneurial space. And through those conversations, we decided, Hey, we should put this, we should have a podcast of our own having these conversations. And that led us into the podcast world. And we, we were talking about accounting and entrepreneurship and some of the perspectives we had as uh, you know, full-time people working with all different types of entrepreneurs and business owners. And that was my entry into the podcast space was, was just, uh, you know, saying, Hey, we're having some really good conversations. Why don't we record it and see if yeah. other people want to see, want to hear it and um had a had a great time for a couple of years of that podcast, and that's what got me into this whole online community and, and podcaster community that uh and ultimately led the podcast movement.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, it was that uh Men Seeking Tomahawks?
1: No, so Men Seeking Tomahawks was a, a fun project that came along later. Okay. Um this one was called Entrepreneur Showdown.
0: Oh, wait, and isn't that still Live?
1: Yeah. Well, it could be live if it's we haven't we haven't done one in a while, oh, but really? um, oh. I think it still can could be listened to. Yeah, I um, just listened
0: to that the other day because I hadn't heard about that. Um, Jared mentioned it when I when I interviewed him. So, gosh, <laughs> yeah. I think there's still. I thought it was recent, but no, I like, I love the format of that show.
1: Yeah. So that was a fun thing that yeah the fun thing that we did and um
0: sort of wrestling based itself. Exactly. Framework. A little I bit of it. a
1: – yeah. Yeah, it was. The framework was a little wrestling-based, so yeah. I still got to include that.
0: Yeah, that was fun. So I, I hate to ask this of you because um, um, I, uh, clearly podcast movement is so exciting, but how do you turn your brain off um, and not – like I want to say is there going to be another thing after podcast movement is that going to lead to another thing just because you've gained so many skills and you know met so many people and um are just adding to your skill set um do you have to turn your entrepreneur brain off and say I'm just going to focus on this and this you know for a while
1: Yeah um I think that's impossible to do yeah I know. To- it's it's tough. Um my uh so the answer is no, I, we don't turn it off. Sometimes have to um the best thing to do is kind of have that list on the side of the desk or on a document online and anytime you get an idea just put it down there and then kind of file it away. Um especially if there's no additional time to time to donate to anything else. Right. Um so that's kind of been my method is just keeping a running list of ideas and you know I, I think I've heard somebody say they keep a shoebox and then they have note cards, and every time they have an idea, they mm. they uh, you know write the idea on a note card, put it in the shoebox, and then don't think about it again. And then ever you know whenever they uh, find some free time in their schedule, then they'll go back through there and, and go through all the all the notes they put in the shoebox and pick out which one they're gonna start working on. So oh, okay, yeah, so that you know that's one thing. And then um, I think the other method I heard is people you know make a list until you get ten you know ten ideas on a list. And then cross all but one of them out, and then uh, that you know only that best one is the one that you that might a kind of Buffett. fold into yeah, it. Trick, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, um, you know, we Jared and I both are constantly throwing ideas back and forth, and a lot of the. uh the result is just saying, hey, we need to table this idea and make sure we don't lose lose sight of number one. But yeah. um, you know, I'm certain I'm certain that there will eventually be some other things that come up and, and come into the fold.
0: Yeah. And and how do you um I don't know, compared to when you were with mid roll and doing this on the side, do you find yourself working more hours? And how do you sort of create a boundary between your Um, new dad life. Congratulations. thank you your in your home life, especially when you have an office at home.
1: Yeah. So, um, that's a good question. It's, you know, it's, it's the, the home office and working from home is good because I can, you know, especially with the new, new little one running around or not running around, but laying around, um, (laughs) I'm able to, you know, as long as I'm not on a call or something, I'm able to drop everything and go help out and come back to it. And it allows me, you know, if I if I have too much time away from, you know, working on things during the day, Mm -hmm. I'm able to, you know, put some hours in at night and kind of build my schedule around um, what else is going on at home. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that helps. Um, But yeah, I mean, a lot of it is just discipline because, Mm -hmm. you know, whether I'm working from home or whether I'm going into the the co-working space that I office out of or, you know, traveling and trying to work from the road, uh, you know, there's there's certain things that that need to get done and um, doing it full time. It, it's funny how when you're doing something part time, it seems like you're you you figure out a way to get everything done. Right. And then when you're doing something full time, you somehow figure out a way to fill your schedule and fill your day doing what seems like those exact same things like yeah. your time quickly. It's kind of like the, uh, you know, uh, I think
0: that's Parkinson's law where. Yeah, it, the, is. The tasks it is. Whatever will fill yeah. the space that you give it.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. yeah so it, it's funny how that has happened. And I do often question, you know, how did I more or less do the exact same thing in, in half the time that I now have? But, yeah. um, you know, like we talked about, it's just naturally that we've found other things to add to the equation that have quickly filled, uh, filled the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's always the question of, hey, these new things we, we're added, we've we're added, you know, are, are they things that are contributing to, you know, the ultimate success of what we're doing, or are they just kind of a distraction that aren't really doing anything but taking up time? So yeah. those are conversations that on a lot of these side projects and side things we're working on, you know, trying to figure out what, what those actually are.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I just thank you so much, and, and I wanted to uh, what, ask what's the best place to get in touch with you or or really find out about what you're doing, about podcast movement, um, uh, any other projects you're working on
1: yeah so i just um moved my personal website to it's it's the dan all
0: right and podcastmovement.com.
1: yep podcastmovement.com. Cool. you can always find out what's going on there
0: oh well thank you so much and um you know I, i'm looking forward to seeing you in august
1: thanks beth i'm, I'm pumped to person. see you in august yeah. yeah meeting you in
0: person that's awesome thanks dan thanks I really appreciate Dan taking the time to share his story and even telling us some things that he probably didn't expect to talk about, but it was really fun. Dan made a reference to a challenge that he and his co-founder, Jared Easley, put together and it's connected to Podcast Movement. They tried it in February and it was a 28-day podcast launch challenge which I participated in and it's really the reason that I have a podcast. They just announced that they're doing another one in May starting May 1st. If you've ever thought of starting a podcast and even maybe tried tutorials or watched YouTube videos about it I've done that too but nothing has ever really gotten me off the couch to actually start one except for this uh, podcast challenge. So If you're thinking about it, I really highly encourage you to um, sign up for the challenge. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. The challenge is really well designed by Dan and Jared to um, be really effective to help you launch a podcast. It also has a built-in accountability group because um, they coordinate a Facebook group or started a Facebook group for everybody participating in the challenge. So it's a great place to ask questions. Um, But yeah, it's really well designed. And if you've been thinking about a podcast, I highly recommend it. And you'll get to know Dan and Jared a little bit. For as busy as they are, they're super helpful. They're really encouraging and really knowledgeable. They've been in the space for a, a lot of years. So their advice is really practical. I think they had 24 launches from the group, which is awesome. So, yeah, check that out, and thanks for listening.